0: One of the hidden things that I think many of us kind of missed, although I think when I mention it, you'll instantly be like, oh, yeah. One of the hidden things that I think COVID has kind of stolen from us over these last 18 months is kind of the ability to plan, to dream, to envision. Uh, We've actually been so focused because everything has felt so up in the air on just getting through the next hour, the next day, the next week, the next month. And, and so what COVID in many ways for the last 18 months has done is kind of made us kind of shell up a little bit. And our, and our head has kind of gone down just to pay attention to what's in front of us because it's really tough to figure out what the future might look like, what, what God may be calling us towards when we're just trying to survive. And that makes sense during a pandemic, but it's not sustainable for a lifetime. We're actually called by God to partner with him in taking the world someplace. And if we're going to do that, it means that we actually have to stop only looking at our feet and look up and look out. Our God is a God who makes things happen. He creates culture, creates the future. Uh, There's an artist... uh, Mikado Fujimura, in his book, Art and Faith, says this. He says, when we make, we invite the abundance of God's world into the reality of scarcity all about us. And I don't know about you, but this last 18 months, everything has felt scarce. Kind of made us move in. Today, though, what I'm going to ask you to do is start on a journey with me. It's a journey where we're going to begin to open out, where we're going to start to look up and look forward. For the next two weeks, we're going to take a little bit of time to reimagine, reenvision the mission and vision that God has called TLC to. We've been talking about it for a couple of years, but honestly, for the last year and a half, we've all kind of been in survival mode. We feel like God is beginning to call out of us a new path forward. So today I want to share some of that with you. Now, uh, before I can jump into vision, though, and I'm so excited about it, I just want to remind us the mission that God has called us to. All right? We say here at TLC that TLC is a multiplying church, helping the next generation fall in love with Jesus You could put a period right there. We continued on to say to create better futures. All right? But it's really three pieces. A multiplying church, I'm going to talk about that in a moment, that helps the next generation fall in love with Jesus. If you are a millennial, Gen Z, you probably kind of like our church. That's not an accident. It's very much on purpose. But here's the deal. This church is not for you. This church is for the next generation. So I don't care if you're my age, Gen X, if you're my parents' age, boomers. If you're whatever, I think they're boomers, right? That's Yes, thank you. Or if you're a millennial or Gen Z, the point is, is that this church always has to be about the next generation. So who are you investing in? Who are you going after? Who are you downloading the faith, the discipleship, the life that God has implanted in you into that next generation? 20 years from now, if TLC still looks the same, we will have failed our mission. The church can't stay the same because all that means is that we have simply grown comfortable. And so we have created something that makes us feel comfortable, that we like. We always have to be going after the next generation, how they think about things, the styles that they prefer. The more mature you are, the more sacrificing you ought to be doing. And so our church is going to go after the next generation, something that we're passionate about. That's the mission that God has called us to. There's a lot of great churches in Grand Rapids, and God has given each one of his brides, and trust me, Jesus loves his bride, the church. He's given them all different missions. We are not the only one that's going after the next generation, but it is one of the things that God has uniquely called us to. We're a multiplying church, helping the next generation fall in love with Jesus. We talk about that because that's what happened to me when I was a sophomore in high school. Happened over the course of a number of months. Jesus captured my heart. I don't know how to describe it any other way, but I just fell in love with Jesus. Like, I just wanted to know him. I wanted to engage in his word. I wanted to talk about him and tell others about him. I wanted to be shaped by him. I didn't even have language for all of it at the time, but now I can look back and I'd say, man, I just like, I fell in love with Jesus and I want to help you fall in love with Jesus. Why? Because if you fall in love with Jesus, everything takes care of itself. I don't have to tell you to be more loving or more patient or more graceful or more kind or more generous, right? Right? If you fall in love with Jesus, all of a sudden the things that Jesus loves, the things that Jesus is passionate about, the way that Jesus lives and the way Jesus thinks is how you want to live and how you want to think, it starts to happen. Now, I'm not saying it's all instant and overnight, but God starts to do that in your life. You get full of Jesus. And if you're full of Jesus, when you bump into somebody else, you spill Jesus on them. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get our church so full of Jesus that when you bump into somebody else, you spill Jesus on them at the supermarket, in your neighborhood, at your school, when you're at the office, when you're driving in your car. I spill Torin way too often when I'm driving in my car. I'm trying to stop spilling Torin. I'm trying to spill Jesus on people when I'm driving in my car. That usually means that I take a deep breath and I slow down a little bit. That's usually what that means. But I want us to fall in love with Jesus so that we will spill Jesus on people that we come in contact with. We can't help but talk about him. That's the mission that God's called us to. Now, we tag on the last little piece to create better futures because that's what we want. Um... TLC exists because of a church in Grand Rapids about 70 years ago that my grandfather showed up at. And because of the people in that church, my grandfather found Jesus. And it transformed his entire life. And as a result, it changed my mom's life. And as a result of that, it changed my life. And I want that to be true of us, so that 70 years down the road, one of your granddaughters is talking to her friend. And she says, Man, it's crazy. But like, my life is totally different. And it's all because this church named the local church what a stupid name. Why did they name it that? That's so dumb. But my grandma walked into that church one day and her life got radically transformed. And that's how my mom became a Christian because she raised her to know Jesus. And that's why I am a Christian and serving in ministry today. I want that story from our church. That's the mission he's given us. Multiplying church, helping the next generation, fall in love with Jesus to create better futures. Generations from now, they can talk about this stupid church named TLC. Man, friends, that's what I want to see. Now, you're like, all right, that, that's, that's cool, that's fine. That, like, I'm down, I'm with you, I got it. Multiplying, what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. But the biggest thing, probably the central thing, is it means we want to plant churches. And I want to tell you why I believe planting churches is probably the most important thing that God is calling us to do. You ready? Three reasons. Number one, why we should be planting churches. We want to be true to the biblical mandate. We want to be true to the biblical mandate. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 28. We are going to look at three passages, or excuse me, two passages this morning. Um, They're both fairly familiar passages to those of you that grew up in the church. If you didn't grow up in the church or you're new to church, somebody invited you, maybe it's your first time here and you're like, oh man, I showed up for vision Sunday. Uh, I don't think it's an accident that you're here. I really don't. I think there's something that God wants you to hear this morning. And if you're new to church and like the Bible, we're going to look at a, a really famous passage in Matthew's gospel. A gospel is just, it just means good news. It's all about Jesus' life. So Matthew is one of Jesus' followers, and he wrote this whole uh, book that kind of explains what Jesus did: his life, his teaching, his death and his resurrection. And we're going to pick up the story at the end of Matthew's gospel, this story about Jesus, where Jesus is actually talking. Jesus has already died. He was buried for three days. He rose back to life, was resurrected. He's been hanging out with his disciples for 40 days, speaking to lots of different people. Lots of people saw resurrected Jesus, and now he's giving kind of his last words before he's going to go up to heaven. This is where we pick up the story, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came to them, this is his disciples, and he said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples, and not just those that were there and heard him, but it was written down for all of us, anybody who's going to come after, what he wants us to do. And he wants us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that he's commanded. And he promises to be with us forever. Now, you and I, who grew up in a Western society, especially, this is true of us Americans, if you're an American here. We see this, we hear this, and we instantly think individuals. Jesus is telling individuals to individually go to other individuals and tell them about him so that they can individually become a follower of Jesus, and then this individual can help this other individual become a disciple because we think we're all individuals. And we are, to a point. But we way too often think of this as like a one-on-one kind of scenario. I go to a person and I tell them and they become a Jesus follower and I baptize them and I teach them some things. But Jesus and the disciples never would have thought of this as an individual uh, thing that happens, an individual exercise. No, no, no. This was actually something that was intended to happen within a community. Jesus actually said to his disciples earlier in the story, I'm going to build my church, my assembly, my gathering. And so when Jesus says, I want you to go out into the world and make disciples and baptize them, he's talking about bringing them into a family, into a community, into a gathering, into the church. Flip over to Acts chapter 2. So, there's four of these stories about Jesus' life and teaching. We just read from the Gospel of Matthew. There's another guy, his name was Luke. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, which is all about same thing, Jesus' life and teachings and his death and resurrection. And then, at the end of his Gospel of Luke, he actually then writes a second book. It's kind of what happens after Jesus died, rose again, and went back to heaven. What happened to the followers after that? It's called the Book of Acts. It's all about how the church, this thing that Jesus died to set up and begin, begins to start. How it kind of like is born, if you will. And we're going to pick up the story. Jesus is already... Died, rose again, he's gone back to heaven. All of his disciples have been waiting in Jerusalem, praying. After 40 days, the Holy Spirit comes down on them. They begin to talk about Jesus in all these different languages. All these people are like, What in the heck is going on? This is insane. This is crazy. Peter, who's one of Jesus' disciples, one of the 12 that followed him, stands up and he tells everybody all about Jesus. He explains how Jesus was prophesied in the Old Testament. He explains how. Jesus fulfills all those prophecies and how because of his death and resurrection, he is the Messiah, the one that was supposed to come, and, and, and if people will follow Jesus, give their lives to him, that they can be transformed for forever. And a whole bunch of people are like, yes, I believe I'm in, and we pick up the story in chapter 2, verse 41. It says, those who accepted his message, Peter's message, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Then it goes on to say what this church, this early first church, started to do. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Everyone was filled with awe and wonder. Uh, Everyone was filled with awe, sorry, at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet. Together, they're gathering in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, chilling out, eating together, glad, sincere hearts, praising God, joyful, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Tim Keller says this, and I think it's really helpful. Tim Keller is a a pastor, author, theologian. He says this, he says in Acts, specifically referring to this passage, and elsewhere, in the New Testament, it is clear that baptism means incorporation into a worshiping community with accountability and boundaries. What he's saying is anytime they talk about people being baptized, they're being baptized into a family, into a community where there's accountability and boundaries. They're being baptized into a local church. He says, virtually all the great evangelistic challenges of the New Testament are basically calls to plant churches, not simply to share the faith. The first reason we plant churches is because we want to be faithful to the biblical mandate. All throughout Scripture, in the New Testament, the call to evangelize is truly the call to plant churches. It's to baptize people and disciple them. That's what the church does when she is working at her best. Second thing, we want to continually renew the whole body of Christ. Why do we plant churches? We want to continually renew the whole body of Christ. A lot of folks will be like, man, why would we plant churches? Have you been to Grand Rapids? <laughs> Have you ever driven around this city? Did you guys know that in Hudsonville, on I think it's Bauer Road, there is literally, we are in, Hudsonville, you are in the Guinness Book of World Records. This is no joke. There are more churches per mile in that stretch of, on that one road than any other place in the nation. Like, do we really need more churches? Yes. You see, when Jesus wants us to plant churches, He's not talking about planting church buildings. Uh, friends, there's a, a lot of churches in GR. You might have even grown up at them. And you walk into the place, and uh, oh man, how do I say this? I think and love Jesus Church. I do. I love it. I'll I'll die for her. Seriously, I would. There's a lot of churches, though, in GR that are dead. They're just buildings. And people are like, well, why don't you just tell people? We got enough. We got enough churches. Just send people to those. There's all kinds of pews open. Send people to those churches. Why do you got to have more churches? Well, two reasons. One, it's the biblical mandate to plant churches. But also, it actually helps renew older churches. Dozens of studies have been done on this. When churches plant churches and when churches begin to be planted around them, it actually causes a lot of churches to actually start to take stock in what they're actually about. Let me give you a couple of things that studies have found, okay? New churches, this is some things that new churches bring to help renewal. New churches bring new ideas to older churches in a city. New churches are one of the best ways to identify and develop creative, strong leaders for the church. Oh man, I love that one right there. I'm just telling you especially as I look out here and I see so many younger faces. I used to be one of those younger faces. Now I'm not. And I'm looking for those strong, creative, brilliant young leaders that are coming up as a result of your engagement here at TLC. Not only that, but new churches challenge other churches to self-examination. When another church comes along, you have to start asking yourself, what's our mission? What are we actually doing this for? Is this just because we like a really comfortable place where everything stays the same and I don't have to learn anything new or do anything new? Are we really on mission here? And a new church will make an older established church begin to ask some of those questions and will lead to renewal. The other thing that it does is it creates more opportunities and need for gifted people to step up and serve, to lead both in new and ascending churches. Church planting actually helps renew existing churches. That's another phenomenal reason to be church planting here in GR. Number three, we want to be true to Jesus' mission. So first, we want to be true to the biblical mandate. The biblical mandate is that we would plant churches. Two, we know that it actually helps renew existing churches. And number three, we want to be true to Jesus' mission. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. Dozens of studies have also shown that new churches are best at reaching new people groups. So if there's a big uh, refugee population that moves uh, to a city uh, because they have to be uh, uh, resettled, new churches are actually best at reaching new people groups. Uh, Secondly, new churches are best at reaching new residents. How many of you started coming to TLC because you moved to Grand Rapids from another place? You see hands all over the place. I rest my case. Number three, new churches are best at reaching new uh, new people groups, new residents, and new generations. They're also best at reaching the unchurched and dechurched. We did a uh, survey last year and the year before that, and we're going to do one a little bit later this fall, and it helped us know that uh, about 25% of you weren't attending a church before you started coming to TLC. Can I just tell you, we pray for that. We want to be the kind of church that maybe somebody who's given up on church or somebody who's just been disengaged from church feels like they can come and begin to re-engage their life, their heart, their faith. We said that we're a multiplying church helping the next generation fall in love with Jesus. Who's best at reaching the next generation? New churches. Friends, if we're going to be true to the biblical mandate, if we're actually gonna care about renewing existing churches here in Grand Rapids and we're gonna be true to Jesus' mission, we have to plant new churches. Now, some of you, uh, oh, this is a great quote. Planting churches, this is C. Peter Wagner. Uh, he's a leading missiologist. Um, dude is passionate about missions. Gets quoted all the time. He's like one of those brilliant uh, uh, missionaries. Probably sounds better than say missiologist, but that's what he is. But this is what he says. Planting new churches is the most effective evangelistic methodology known under heaven. It's not holding big rallies, which that can be really effective. God uses those. It's not fill in the blank. Planting new churches is the best evangelistic strategy known to mankind. Now, some of you are saying, yeah, T, but really that's what that's that's our vision to plant churches? That's what we're about. That's the big thing we're going after. What about the poor? Is all you care about planting churches? You don't care about the poor? What about the vulnerable in our city? You don't have a, a vision for caring for the vulnerable? What about orphans and widows? What about the homeless? What about equality issues? What about justice? Do you not care? Like, do you not have a vision for those things? If you're not asking that question, you should. Those are great questions to ask. It'd be one of the first things that I would want to say, yeah, that's it. What about all of this? So to that, let me speak briefly. Jesus never got questioned by the disciples when he gave them the Great Commission. He said, go into the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that i commanded you. Peter didn't say, yeah, but what about orphans, Jesus? Don't you love them? This is what you're giving us before you leave? They didn't say, well, what about the vulnerable? Or what about justice, Jesus? Do you not care about that? Why didn't they ask that question? When Jesus basically gave them this commission to plant churches, Why did they not say, yeah, but what about these? You know why? Because they knew if they did what Jesus said, all those things would begin to actually take place. The church has always been at the forefront when she's at her best, when she's doing what she's supposed to do at caring for the vulnerable, protecting them, stepping into places of justice, helping the poor, coming alongside and sacrificing ourselves. You know how many... Hospitals worldwide over have happened because there were Christians who stepped up and said, you know what, I we need to do something about this. Orphanages that have been planted, homeless uh, uh, um, centers that are, that are helping to care for holistic needs. That's what the church does when she's at her best. Now, I don't mean that every single church ought to have its own homeless center, TLC homeless. Like, that's great when God calls you organization to do something like that, but you know what happens? The church is actually the place that people get connected into this family of God where they get discipled and they learn all of what Jesus taught. We help you fall in love with Jesus. That's the whole point of the church. And if I can help you fall in love with Jesus, you're gonna get filled up with Jesus. You're gonna wanna do what Jesus did. You're gonna wanna think the way Jesus thought. You're gonna wanna spend your time and your money and your passions and your resources, and everything that you got to actually go and make a difference. Why? Because that's what the church does when she's actually functioning at her best. You want to know why I'm so passionate about church planting? Because I see how it transforms communities. There's a whole host of folks that are part of this church. That because of how Jesus transformed someone's life, it spilled over to change their future, their present, and their eternity. And friends, I want to be a part of that. I have no idea all the different missions that God has called you as individuals to. I know the things that God has called us as a church to do. We've got our partnerships in and around the city. We care if this city would mourn if we weren't here. But we also know that one of the best ways that we can continue to change people's eternities is by planting churches. So can I tell you our vision of the preferred future? All right, let's go. 10 years from now, we have launched a small family of churches that are helping the next generation fall in love with Jesus. Our family of churches is helping orient people around the lifestyle of Jesus, and we're dumbstruck that Jesus has chosen to use us to transform generations for the rest of eternity. The disconnected are finding life-giving community, The fearful become bold, the vulnerable are increasingly protected, generosity grows, sacrificial love is poured out on neighborhoods, and people who would be separated from God for all of eternity are now going to spend forever with God. And this not only changes people right now, it impacts generations to come. We want to plant churches. We want to do for other churches what our sending church, did for us, and even try to make it a little bit better, if we can. Do you guys know we got sent out four and a half years ago from a church over in Holland, Michigan called Central Wesleyan Church, all right? They invested time and resources, coaching and prayer into seeing this church get born. Get born? Do you get born? Be born? I don't know, but we got something like we existed and took our first breath. And it was a little ugly at first, but we're getting cuter, like bows in her hair, we're four and a half, I don't know what you do when you're four and a half, I'm not sure. But we're like becoming more and more this thing that God wants us to become. And what we would like to do in the future is do for others, our daughters, what Central was able to do for us. Now let me explain what that means, okay? There's a few things that I think uh, that means. We want to first and foremost plant daughter churches. We want to give birth to some daughters. Like, oh, she's so cute. Oh, we love her. I'm so excited, right? So what do you do? Now, we may also we may also uh, do what I call rehabbing an existing church. That's kind of like adoption, right? When somebody's like, uh, we're struggling. Our church is really like we're down. We're not sure what to do. We have this space, and we do have a vision. We just don't know how to make it happen. Would you maybe come and kind of adopt us, help us with some leadership and some people so we can really reach uh, uh, what God's called us to reach. We might actually do it. We don't know. Okay, We're just kind of like, we know God wants to plant. We might even adopt. Who knows? But the whole point of that is so that we can then give away what's been given to us. So we want to resource our daughters financially. All right? Our goal is to send out, when we plant, because this is what Jesus did, two full-time people to be able to be sent out of our church to be able to plant another church. Central supported us for three years, kind of like 100% at the very beginning for like a year, and then it was like 50 and then like 20, something like that. But they continually invested. Not only did they invest in us financially, they also invested in us by helping us with administrative systems. There are so many things that they helped us do because they had access to it and knowledge to it that we didn't have to do, so we didn't have to Spend some of our resources or time trying to figure that out. We were able to just really, Jordan and I and others, just go at loving the people that God had called us to love and doing what God had called us to do. I have no idea. I'm not a systems guy. I'll be the first to admit that. Like, it's not my thing. But I do know that if we can help with some of those things, either finding where those systems are at, how we can help get connected into, that's going to free up a whole lot of space so that we can invest more into the ministry that God has called that church to. The other thing that we're going to do is support them relationally and spiritually. This is what you do when you have a church or or a family, like in times of crisis and in times of celebration, right? Something happens in your family, loss of job, uh, sickness, illness. What happens? The family comes around, right? You take care of each other. Mom's making you that chicken noodle soup, right? Dad's coming in and cuddling up, kissing you on the floor, like whatever it takes, right? And when there's a party, like you just graduated from, from high school, whole family gets together, celebrate, right? That's what we want to do for our daughter churches. We want to come around them with coaching and care and spiritually pouring into them so that they can grow up. And what's the point of raising a child? It's to send them out. You send them out. Now, it doesn't mean that you still don't care and support, but the goal for any daughter church is that they might actually grow up to have a family of their own, that they would have a passion for exactly doing for others what we did for them, which is the passion that we got from our sending church. That's what we want to be about, doing for other churches what Central has done for us. We are going to continue to pursue a simple model of ministry knowing that we can't do everything, even every good thing, as awesome as that would be. Instead, we have accomplished better, deeper, more sustainable ministry by focusing our efforts on a few important things. So we have a very simple model of ministry, and we're doing our best to try to hold on to that, as long as Jesus wants us to, at least. Up, in, and out. Up refers to how we gather, our weekend gathering. focuses on worship sacraments and discipleship. We believe that God does something unique and powerful when we gather together. In is our local groups. That focuses on discipleship and community, all right? So we have an up component, we have an in component, and then we have an out component, which is active mission and service that's both collective, okay? So that's to plant churches and serve our city and world in a few specific areas. So that's what we do organizationally, But our mission is not only collective. There's also individual pieces of our mission. And that is to help you guys know exactly why God placed you on this earth. What has God stirred in your heart for your family, for your neighborhood, for your workplace? Maybe it's a particular area of passion. Refugee care. Justice. The foster system. We want to help each person know what God has uniquely gifted them and called them to do. Now, let me say this, though. This vision will be revisited regularly and tweaked as the Holy Spirit leads us, all right? We are not about a bunch of words on a piece of paper. We're doing our very best, and we have been. We're praying over this. We're seeking God's face. God, what are you calling us to do? God, we have this sense that it's this. And so we're going after something. All right, we're not just going to sit back and say, Oh, that sounds nice. No, we're going to actually go after something. Now, uh, we've actually, i am talk about this in a second, but Jordan has been actually leading our staff and our leadership team through a vision frame process so that we don't just talk about stuff, we actually start putting concrete goals and objectives, things that we can do to get us to that place. I'm not going to share a whole lot of that with you today. You have to come to the owners' meeting on December 5 if you want to get. All of the good insights. Now, the reason for that is because we're still working on it. We're still tweaking it, but you've already seen some of this stuff happening. It's already been happening uh, in our kidsmen, where we've been investing some money and actually redoing some of the kids' rooms because we know that we need to get healthy again with our kidsmen spaces and our kidsmen volunteers. How do we care for the kids? Uh, we hired a full-time family ministries pastor because we believe that God wants us to actually engage in renewing ourselves, this church, so that we can actually accomplish the vision that he's called us to. We know that we have to kind of have a little bit of a COVID comeback. All right? We need to regain the momentum that we had kind of lost as we kind of hunkered down and tried to survive what's been a really tough year and a half. It's been hard on all of us. But now God's calling us to raise our eyes up and begin to raise our eyes out. So we are not going to simply say, well, this is what God said, and we're going after it, hell or high water. God can change his mind a year from now. Our goal is to listen to the Spirit, and to follow the Spirit wherever he leads us. Doesn't mean that we're not going to plan. Of course we're going to plan. We believe God works in the planning, but we also believe that God has the right to change his course for us whenever he wants. So we're going to stay connected to Jesus as best as we possibly can. Now, These are our best guesses of what a preferred future looks like, okay? We're trying to do the best we can to say, this is what we think we're going after. But we care way more about staying close to Jesus and where he leads. Let me tell you what happens, though, if we don't do this. If we don't do this, people stay marginally engaged in their faith or potentially even completely disengage and they die assuming that they are Christians. But when they stand before Jesus, he will look at them and say, depart from me, I never knew you. Young leaders who want to use their gifts to see God's kingdom grow can't find a place that's willing to nurture them and instead settle for good paying nine to five jobs while slowly getting sucked into the normal American script. Countless Leah's and Cody's, Natalie's and Lien's. Andrews and Gael's, Drew's and Jaquan's never experience the love of Christ and go on to live disastrously wonderful American lives. Nice Christian couples continue to stagnate as they consume rather than engage. Families stay the same, but worse. Neighborhoods and schools and businesses experience less love, less joy, less peace, as Jesus' church slowly melts away And all we can do is pray that God would send someone to do what we weren't willing. Or we can roll up our sleeves and jump into this rickety TLC raft and start rowing to that distant shore, believing that God's going to meet us along the journey and we're gonna see miracles that we can't even begin to describe. Lives changed and transformed that impact generations to come. And friends, that's, that's the boat I wanna be on. But I can't do it by myself. God doesn't even want me to try. We have to do it together. We have to own what God's called us to. Jump in, say yes. So we can't plan 10 years out, it's just too far. So Jordan's been helping us come up with kind of a five-year and then like a one-year focus. So I'm gonna tell you real briefly, our five years, we wanna plant our first church and Lord willing, even be working on our second five years from now. This year, our one-year emphasis is about renewal, kind of getting back to a renewed health. We know healthy things grow. We're not trying to grow. We're trying to stay, get, Become healthy because that will help us regain that momentum that God had been doing here. We call it our COVID comeback, friends. Our one-year focus is the COVID comeback, and we're already on it, and we're already excited about it. Now, um, all this is like, oh, that's, that's nice. Like, Kind of like, I don't know, if you're like, oh, okay, it's good. I'm fired up. Like I can't like, I'm like, I just got like it gets in my bones. Like it's like one of the things that wakes me up in the morning. I love it, okay? But let me explain to you why I love it. This is a letter that I got this past week. There was a time in my life, around two years ago, this person writes, who may even be in this service where I had never felt more lost, alone, and isolated from God and the church. I'd been hurt by a church body in the past, and I swore that I would never step into church again due to that previous humiliation and judgment. A good friend of mine invited me to TLC a couple years ago, and although I was apprehensive, I decided to go in spite of my previous promise to never set foot in a church again. I walked into church full of uncertainty and was very skeptical and guarded. I truthfully had no desire to walk through those doors that Sunday morning. I faked the smile when when greeted and aimed for a chair in the back so that I could fade into the background. But of course, God had another plan. That morning, the message was on a difficult topic, but it was taught in such an honest and loving way. I'd never heard the church discuss anything like this before, and this was the very topic that had led me to being hurt by the church in the past. I then sat through a time of genuine worship and I could see the people at this church were truly engaged and those on the worship team truly loved what they were doing and who they were singing to. Many people smiled and engaged with me while I was making my way out of the building. I felt heard and seen for the first time inside the four walls of a church. I decided that I would come back and give it another chance. And as weeks turned to months, I had found myself slowly finding a community of people that I truly loved and wanted to be around all the time. I was encouraged to serve and actually did it. Eventually, I even joined a local group as well. I truly started to feel God's presence in my life for what honestly felt like the very first time. I became a different person. I actually wanted to seek out God's plan for me. I actually wanted to come to church and I wanted to tell everyone about this place that had become home. And best of all, I wanted to hear what God was going to say to me every week. Without TLC, I would still be wandering through life lost, alone, and isolated. I can't thank God enough for reintroducing me to a church community during one of the most tumultuous and isolating times of my life. To all the members and leaders of TLC, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking me in without judgment. Thank you for helping me find that my identity is in Christ alone. Thank you for being a church for someone like me. I want to plant churches because it doesn't just affect this person who I know and love. It affects all the people around them and it's going to affect generations. So friends, can we do this? I promise you it's going to be hard. A lot harder than you think. But I promise you it's gonna be worth it. Father God, thank you for loving your church so well. We are your bride. And I know you love your bride just like I love mine. Father, would you allow us to continue the mission that you've called us to here at this place, God, let us model for any future daughter churches the kind of churches we want them to be in how we love and invite and engage and welcome people into this space. How we are so full of love for you that we can't help but invite others to experience what we found. We can't help but spill you all over our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our schools. Oh, Jesus, would you do that for us? Would you do that for us? And God, let it not be about our name. Let it be about your name, Jesus. Jesus, keep working. We want to see more. We love you. Thanks for loving us.